everybody, and welcome back to I Just Want to Talk About the Bible. If this is your first time joining us, then let me just welcome you and say that I'm very glad that you're here. My name is Christian Keeter, and I live in the southeast of the United States of America with my amazing, beautiful, godly wife, Lacey, and our two wonderful daughters, Felicity and Serenity. So today we are going to be looking at an obscure passage from the Old Testament in the book of Jeremiah. And uh, it's going to be from the uh, from Jeremiah chapters 42 and 43. Um, not too long ago, I finished reading the book of Jeremiah, and um, there's a certain principle from this passage that really just kind of stands out to me that I think has um, a lot of application for us. I think that we need to look at. And so this entire episode is going to be, you know, framed up in just one question. By the end of this, there's this, this is, we're all building towards just one singular question that we have to ask ourselves. And how we respond to this question reveals a lot about our measure of surrender to the Lord, our measure of obedience to the Lord, and how much we actually want the Lord's will versus just our own wills. And so it's a very searching question. Um, it's a difficult question. And it's a question that I have um, at various points in my uh, walk with the Lord, if I were answering it honestly, um, I I wouldn't say necessarily what we all know to be the you know the right answer, but but we'll get to that um, in just a minute. So it's from Jeremiah 42. Just really quickly, let me just kind of set the stage for Jeremiah. I'm not going to do a whole overview. Um, to be completely honest with you, I recorded some stuff that I'm actually just recording over right now because I was doing a big kind of overview of working up to this point in the Bible. But I've already done that in episode four of this podcast. You can go back and listen to episode four. It might actually be a really helpful companion episode for this one. Um, But I don't want to just spend the entire time just setting the context and unintentionally obscuring things even more and making things more complicated. So who is Jeremiah? Um, Let me just, let me read Jeremiah 1. Um, beginning in verse 4, um, verses 4 through 8, and this will help us uh, frame this up a little bit. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a youth, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. And so that was Jeremiah 1, 4 through 8. And so we have a little bit of Jeremiah's job description here, don't we? We have a little bit of what his job is going to be. He's going to be a prophet. He's going to go speak to the people on behalf of the Lord. He is going to be the Lord's mouthpiece, and um, and and this is what God has called him to do. Now, for those of you who are familiar with um, Israel's history, you know that this is a dark time in the history of Judah. Um, before this point, uh, you know, centuries before this point, um, Israel had split into two nations, the Northern kingdom of Israel and the Southern kingdom of Judah. And there were these two lines of Kings running concurrently. And, um, you can read about this in places like first and second Kings, um, which can be a little bit difficult to follow at times. So there's a lot of good, helpful, free resources and charts online. Um, in fact, there's one in the show notes of, episode four of this podcast, if you just are trying to figure out um, which king reigned when and which kingdom and maybe even um, who were some of the prophets that were prophesying at that time and so on. I believe that there's a a link in episode four of this podcast in the the show notes. But um, about a century and a half prior to this, the northern kingdom had been defeated by Assyria. And now Jeremiah is taking place as the southern kingdom 
is being defeated and carried away by Babylon, led by Nebuchadnezzar. So um, this is it's a dark time in their history. But before I you know talk more about that, let me just um, let's look at Jeremiah chapter two a little bit, and this will help us to um, just to again get a better feel of what is even going on in the book of Jeremiah. So Jeremiah chapter two, beginning in verse four. Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the clans of the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, What wrong did your fathers find in me, that they went far from me, and went after worthlessness, and became worthless? They did not say, Where is the Lord who brought us up from the land of Egypt, who led us in the wilderness, in a land of deserts and pits, in a land of drought and deep darkness, in a land that none passes through where no man dwells? And I... And I brought you into a plentiful land to enjoy its fruits and its good things. But when you came in, you defiled my land and made my heritage an abomination. The priests did not say, Where is the Lord? Those who handled the law did not know me. The shepherds transgressed against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal and went after things that do not profit. Therefore, I still contend with you, declares the Lord. And with your children's children, I will contend. For cross to the coasts of Cyprus and see, or send to Kedar and examine with care. See if there has been such a thing. Has a nation changed its gods, even though they are no gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked, be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. And so that's Jeremiah 2 uh, verses 4 through 13. And that's that's helping us to understand what's even going on here. So like he says, they, it says they prophesied by Baal. And what's Baal? Well, Baal's just a, 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 a pagan, um, you know, idol that's, that's worshipped. Um, and so, but and God is saying, talking about how Israel's changed their gods from, from pursuing him. They've gone after um, idols. Like it says here, he says, Has a nation changed its gods, even though they are no gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. And so we see they have forsaken the Lord. And he just spells it out here. He says that his people had committed two evils. It says they have forsaken him, um, the fountain of living waters. And it says they've hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. So they've forsaken the Lord and they've gone after um, um, other gods. They've gone after idols. And, you know, let me flip here as well to Jeremiah 22 very quickly here. Jeremiah 22 verses 8 and 9 say this, And many nations will pass by this city, and every man will say to his neighbor, Why has the Lord dealt thus with this great city? And they will answer, Because they have forsaken the covenant of the Lord their God, and worshipped other gods, and served them. And that's the passage. And so there we have the reason for the exile. There we have the reason that Nebuchadnezzar is um, is coming and and Judah is going to be handed over to him. Jerusalem is going to be destroyed. The temple is going to be burned. The people... um, a lot of the um, Jewish people are going to be carried off into captivity into Babylon. In fact, the books of Ezekiel and Daniel describe events that take place during and after this period. They're going to, um, the people will be in exile there for 70 years, um, and then they'll be permitted to return to the land, and that's when events um, recorded in, in the book, books of Ezra, Nehemiah, and others um, take place. But that's, that's, that's a different, uh, different conversation right now. So back in Jeremiah, so in Jeremiah here, um, we see that this is not a good time. The people have forsaken the Lord and they're being handed over to Nebuchadnezzar. They're being given over to him. 
and um, Nebuchadnezzar actually comes three times, and it's the third time where things are just completely destroyed. Um, he had left kind of a puppet king in charge one of the previous times that he came, and uh, that king was called Zedekiah, but then this king rebels against Nebuchadnezzar, and Nebuchadnezzar just comes back and destroys everything. And the people were handed over. Um, like Nebuchadnezzar was I mean, permitted to do this, obviously. Um, but then later, just as a side note, Nebuchadnezzar himself, um, we see him being answerable to the Lord in, in Daniel chapter 4, and then and the Lord uh, really humbles him. But that's, again, different story. So, here in this time, this is uh, in the book of Jeremiah, this is when this happens. Nebuchadnezzar comes and he, and he just wipes it out. He wipes it out. So, here in the passage that we're looking at is, um, and so Jeremiah was prophesying against, you know, uh, calling the people to repentance. And Jeremiah had a very hard life. People did not want to hear his message. And, and he was really, really persecuted. So, Nebuchadnezzar carries the people away. And there are only, there, he leaves just some people there in the land, but he, he carries away um, a bunch of them. He just kind of leaves some people in the land. The Jerusalem's been destroyed. The temple's been destroyed. Um, I mean, they're, they're not even really a nation at this point. I and mean, they've been, they've been, so many of them have, carried, have been carried off. And then there was a um, guy named Gedaliah. And Gedaliah was um, the king of Babylon, appointed him as a governor of the cities of Judah after this. And so he, he left this guy, Gedaliah, in charge, kind of of, um, the cities of Judah and the people who still remained there. Then Gedaliah gets murdered, and it's like, and things are just, things are just really, it's just bad. I mean, this this guy named Ishmael comes and um, kills Gedaliah, and just really, really not, really not good. So then, um, here we are. Now we understand the context. Um, Jeremiah chapter forty-two. All of that was to get us to this point. And I'm just going to read through this passage um, because it's an obscure passage. Like this isn't one that we, you know, talk about that much. And so it's, you know, we're not that familiar with it, um, most of us. And so let's um, let's read through it. And I might pause along the way or I might just let it speak for itself. We'll see. Um, we'll see. So beginning in verse 1 of chapter 42 of Jeremiah. Then all the commanders of the forces and Johanan, the son of Korea, and Jezaniah, the son of Hoshiah, and all the people from the least to the greatest came near and said to Jeremiah the prophet. Let me just pause here. So we see Jeremiah. This is back in Judah still. This is These are just some of the people that were left there. So Jeremiah is still in Judah. And so these people come, and uh, these it, uh, it refers to them as the commanders of the forces. And, and again, well, let's, let's just move on. Okay, so they come to Jeremiah the prophet, and this is what they say. Let our plea... For mercy come before you, and pray to the Lord your God for us, for all this remnant, because we are left with but a few, as your eyes see us. That the Lord your God may show us the way we should go, and the thing that we should do. Jeremiah the prophet said to them, I have heard you. Behold, I will pray to the Lord your God according to your request, and whatever the Lord answers you, I will tell you. I will keep nothing back from you. Then they said to Jeremiah, May the Lord be a true and faithful witness against us if we do not act according to all the word with which the Lord your God sends you to us. Whether it is good or bad, we will obey the voice of the Lord our God to whom we are sending you, that it may be well with us when we obey the voice of the Lord our God. So, um, sounds good, doesn't it? So these people, you hear this and you're like, man, these people have really been humbled. They come and they seek Jeremiah. And by seeking the prophet, by extension, they're seeking the Lord, of course. And so they go to the prophet, go to Jeremiah, and they say, please, you know, 
go seek the Lord on our behalf. Um, he says, uh, you know, pray for us for this remnant. Um, ask the Lord to show us what we should do now, basically. And Jeremiah says, you know, I'll, I'll go pray and I'll let him, I'll, I'll let you know everything he says. And then they go a step further and they say, you know, may the Lord be a true and faithful witness against us. If we do not um, act according to all the word with which the Lord, your God sends to us. And they basically say, we'll do it, whatever it is, we'll do it. Um, and then at the end there, they say that it may be well with us when we obey the voice of the Lord, our God. And so I mean, they're, they're saying, well, you know, we're going to obey him. We're going to, whatever he says, we're going to do. Um, I mean, you know, Jeremiah had been prophesying that, you know, people had rebelled against the Lord and that's why things were going the way that they had been going. Um, and, uh, and, and so these people come and they're seeking the Lord. They're asking Jeremiah on his behalf. They're saying, we're going to do, um, whatever he says. In fact, earlier in Deuteronomy, this is a, a cross reference that just came to my mind as I was, um, even reading what they said there, where it says, um, that it may be well, uh, well with us here. And so in Jeremiah, I'm sorry, Deuteronomy five twenty nine, this is what the Lord says. Um, let's see here. He says, Oh, that they had such a heart as this always to fear me and to keep all my commandments that it might go well with them and with their descendants forever. And so that's kind of the same thing where it's like, okay, so yeah, they're, they're ready to, you know, they're ready to obey or at least they're claiming to. So let's see what happens next. At the end of 10 days, this is resuming in verse seven. At the end of 10 days, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Then he summoned Johanan, the son of Korea, and all the commanders of the forces who were with him, and all the people from the least to the greatest, and said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, to whom you sent me to present your plea for mercy before him. If you will remain in this land, then I will build you up and not pull you down. I will plant you and not pluck you up, for I relent of the disaster that I did to you. Do not fear the king of Babylon, of whom you are afraid. Do not fear him, declares the Lord, for I am with you to save you. And to deliver you from his hand, I will grant you mercy, that he may have mercy on you and let you remain in your own land. But if you say, We will not remain in this land, disobeying the voice of the Lord your God, and saying, No, we will go to the land of Egypt, where we shall not see war or hear the sound of the trumpet or be hungry for bread, and we will dwell there, then hear the word of the Lord, O remnant of Judah. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel If you set your faces to enter Egypt and go to live there, then the sword that you fear shall overtake you there in the land of Egypt. And the famine of which you are afraid shall follow close after you to Egypt, and there you shall die. All the men who set their faces to go to Egypt to live there shall die by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence. They shall have no remnant or survivor from the disaster that I will bring upon them. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, as my anger and my wrath were poured out on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so my wrath will be poured out on you when you go down when you go to Egypt, you shall become an you shall become an execration, a horror, a curse, and a taunt. You shall see this place no more. The Lord has said to you, O remnant of Judah, do not go down or do not go to Egypt. Know for certainty that I have warned you this day that you have gone astray at the cost of your lives. For you sent me to the Lord your God, saying, Pray for us to the Lord our God, and whatever the Lord our God says, declare to us, and we will do it. And I have this day declared it to you, but you have not obeyed the voice of the Lord your God in anything that he sent me to tell you. Now, therefore, know for a certainty that you shall die by the sword, 
by famine, and by pestilence in the place where you desire to go to live. And so that's the end of chapter 42. So let me just kind of very briefly recap that. So Jeremiah seeks the Lord. Ten days later, the the word of the Lord comes to him and, and answers these people's request. And so basically, the Lord says through Jeremiah, don't go down to Egypt. And so we see what these people were kind of, what they were wanting, what they were thinking would be to leave the land of Judah and go down to Egypt and go down there, look for security there. Um, They were afraid to stay in the land. They were afraid of Nebuchadnezzar. And through Jeremiah, God promised them, basically, if you stay in the land, I'm going to take care of you. If you stay in the land, you, I mean, you, you won't need to be afraid of Nebuchadnezzar. Like you, but, but if you go down to Egypt, the very things that you're afraid of are going to follow you there. He said, um, uh, sword and famine and pestilence. So stay in the land and trust the Lord. And remember the people had said, yes, we will do it. We will do it. We will absolutely do it. And Jeremiah, you know, I mean, he's been prophesying for years at this point and nobody's listened to him. Um, and so let's, let's see what happens next. So in verse or chapter 43, you see how the people respond. The people who promised that they would obey it says beginning in verse one, when Jeremiah finished speaking to all the people, um, all these words of the Lord their God, with which the Lord their God had sent him to them, Azariah, the son of Hoshiah, and Johanan, the son of Koreah, and all the insolent men said to Jeremiah, You are telling a lie. <laughs> the Lord our God did not send you to say, Do not go to Egypt to live there. But Baruch, the son of Neriah, has set you against us to deliver us into the hand of the Chaldeans, that they may kill us or take us into exile in Babylon. So Johanan, the son of Korea, and all the commanders of the forces and all the people did not obey the voice of the Lord to remain in the land of Judah. But Johanan, the son of Korea, and all the commanders of the forces took all the remnant of Judah who had returned to live in the land of Judah from all the nations to which they had been driven, the men, the women, the children, the princesses, and every person whom Nebuchadnezzar, I'm sorry, whom Nebed, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the guard had left with Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, son of Shaphan, also Jeremiah the prophet, and Baruch the son of Neriah. And they came into the land of Egypt, for they did not obey the voice of the Lord. And they arrived at Toponese. So let me pause there um, in verse, uh, that was at verse 7. So I know that got kind of a little complicated there with all the names that were just kind of coming in. So basically what happened, the people um, who had asked Jeremiah to go pray on their behalf, said, no, you're lying to us, and um, Baruch has set you against us, and, and Baruch is, um, Baruch is, uh, was, was Jeremiah's friend that we see, um, Jeremiah's scribe, uh, he's, he's made appearances throughout the book, and they're basically saying, if we stay here, no, the, the, the Chaldeans, the, the Babylonians, they're gonna, they're gonna get us, and, um, so what happens is, uh, and they go down to Egypt, they disobey the voice of the Lord, and they, they basically say, Jeremiah, you're coming with us. They take Jeremiah and Baruch with them. They're like, we're all going down there and you're coming with us. And so Jeremiah gets, gets, I guess, forcibly taken down there. And we could continue reading through uh, Jeremiah 43 and then 44 and uh, read more about, um, you know, kind of some subsequent events here. But I want to pause here because in this passage, the principle that I mentioned at the beginning of this episode um, can be clearly seen. So these people, what they said was so good. They what they said at the beginning, like go seek the Lord, Lord, whatever He says, we're gonna do. Um, they even, you know, basically said, um, you know, they called the Lord to be their witness. Um, they said, "May the Lord be a true and faithful witness against us if we do not act according to all the word with which the Lord our God, or the Lord your God, sends you to us." That was 
I mean, a dangerous thing to say, seeing um, how it happened. And you can tell just by the end of Jeremiah 42, when he says, um, you know, uh, and I have this day declared it to you, but you have not obeyed the voice of the Lord your God in anything that he sent me to tell you. Um, Now, therefore, know for a certainty that you shall die by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence in the place where you desire to to go to live. And so he, he he obviously already knew their hearts in the matter. But what is the principle? What is the principle? The principle is this. They only wanted to hear from the Lord if the Lord said what they wanted him to say. The principle is they only wanted to hear from God if God said what they wanted him to say. Now, it's pretty easy to see how that applies to us. It's pretty easy, isn't it? And so this is where we have to kind of look in the mirror a little bit and ask ourselves the question. I'm not saying that we're like these people who, I mean, had basically completely, I mean, forsaken the Lord and, you know, went after idols and, you know, the Bible calls them insolent here. I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, we are as um, idolatrous or rebellious as they are, but I am saying that same sort of thing inside of them that said, yeah, we will obey his word if it lines up with what we want. That same sort of thing is something that we grapple with, um, you know, just in our lives. And let me just clarify something really quickly. I'm not talking necessarily about what is sinful or righteous here. Although that certainly applies where it's just like, okay, God's will is that we live, you know, a righteous, you know, a righteous life that we don't, I mean, that we forsake sin and all that. Of course that applies. I mean, that's obvious though. But I'm talking about, let's just talk about in more, um, more gray matters where we're seeking his wisdom. We're asking him questions about what his will for our lives is, what he wants us to do in a certain decision, how he wants us to handle something. I mean, it could be any sort of, any sort of decision that you need to make where you have a strong feeling about it and you basically want God to endorse what you already want to do. And so the question is this, what happens when God says to you to do something different than what you want to do. What it, what happens when he calls you to take a different path than the one that you want to take? What happens, I mean, if if he just says what you what you don't want to hear? Now, I remember and I shared back in episode 6 of this podcast when the Lord um uh was was calling me to to give up coffee. And uh and again, I'm I'm not going to reteach that here. You can just go back and listen to episode 6 if you haven't heard that yet. But when he, uh, one of the things that I felt like he said to me in that process was basically this. Um, would you rather hear me speak, but for me to say something you don't want to hear, or would you rather me not speak at all? And that's a really searching question, isn't it? Would we rather hear God speak to our lives, but say something that we don't want to hear? So in that instance, I didn't want to hear give up coffee. I didn't want to hear that. And so the question there was, would I rather have heard the Lord speak and say something I don't want to hear or not speak at all? And so what's beneath that? Do I, what do I want more intimacy with the Lord or just kind of getting what I want in that scenario? And so that's kind of uh, the question here as well. It's like, well, what's more important? Do we actually want closeness with God? Do we want to hear his voice? Do we want to be led by the spirit or do we just want to do the things that we want to do and want God to sign off on it? And again, I just, I really want to stress, I'm not talking about something sinful or not, you know, I mean, you could be it could be so many things. It could be a, 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 you know, a job choice. I mean, God could be calling you to stay um, where you're currently working and you don't want to and you don't want to hear that. It could be um, a housing sort of thing where God is telling you to, um, 
you know, you, you want a, a different like housing situation or something like that. And the Lord is saying, Hey, just stay where you are right now or something like that. I think these could be, you know, um, these are just kind of simple everyday examples. I just wanted to use to be like, okay, this is, um, this is just to, to highlight the fact that this is not always a matter of sin and righteousness. But let me clarify just a little bit on that. When I say it's not a matter of sin and righteousness, um, what I mean is intrinsically, these aren't about matters that are intrinsically sinful or intrinsically uh, righteous. But what but what I do want to say is if God has revealed his will in a matter, then it does become a matter of sin and righteousness because to disobey his will would, of course, be sin. Um, and to obey his will would be would be righteous. And so it becomes a matter of sin and righteousness once we have a word from the Lord in the matter. I'm just talking about in general terms about the things in and of themselves. They're not intrinsically sinful, but I did want to clarify that to make sure there was no misunderstanding as to what I was saying. So what we're talking about here, I mean, is, is surrender, really. There is um, Psalm 40, verse 8. Here, this is the question. Can we say this? Can we actually say... Yes, we can quote it, we can read it, we can say it, but can we say it and mean it with our hearts? So let me flip here. Psalm 40 verse 8 says, I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. Do we delight to do his will? Like Jesus in the garden, can we say, not as I will, but as you will? And so, I mean... What's beneath all of this is really the question of, do we honestly believe that the Lord knows best? And this goes back to episode 50 of this podcast, um, where we did an entire episode talking about um, the Lord knowing best. But this is just kind of a similar sort of thing from a different angle, but it's really simplified. Just a very simple searching question is this, do we actually want to hear God speak? Do we actually want to hear from him? Um, Or do we just want him to say what we want him to say? Because if we just want him to say what we want him to say, then we're not actually treating him like Lord. Because, you know, think about it. Lord is a term of, of authority. A Lord is a, a term of just absolute rule. In fact, um, over here in, let's see here, I believe it's Luke, Luke chapter 6. Yeah, Luke six forty six says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? So we see that this is a thing of surrender and obedience. This uh, for G- for us to call Jesus Lord, I mean, again, like I said, that's a that's a title of of authority, of absolute authority, and um, that we are submitting uh, to that authority. And so, in our walks with God, we should always be moving towards more and more um, true, total, absolute surrender, where. He is, you know, Lord of every area of our lives and where there's just, you know, not things that we're holding off the table. Um, that That's what we should be moving towards. And, uh, you know, again, uh, we talked about this in recent episodes where, I mean, do we believe that, do we believe that he knows best? Do we believe that he loves us? Do we believe that um, his will is best? Like, do we, do we honestly believe that? And those are the questions we have to, to grapple with. And again, I don't want to reteach the episode, but we see that the original lie in the garden was the enemy was trying to get Adam and Eve to believe, no, the Lord does not know best. His way is not best, and you know better. And that same lie is the lie that the enemy tries to tell us all the time. But the Lord does know best, and he does love us. And so the question is this. Like I said, do we want to hear from him? Do we truly want to hear from him? Or do we just want him to say what we want him to say? Um, do we actually want to know him better? Do we actually want... And so, you know, none of us are, are doing this perfectly. 
But the Lord will allow circumstances to come to pass to highlight areas where we're not surrendered. Um, he will allow things to unfold to show um, that we are not as fully surrendered as maybe we thought. And that, of course, is not to that's not to, to crush us or to make us feel bad, but to move us forward. It's opening our eyes to something that he sees in us that we have not um, historically seen in ourselves. And then at that point, we cry out to him. We, you know, we, we beg him for his help. We seek him. Um, we, we begin to quote verses like Psalm 40 verse eight and, you know, ask the Lord, Lord, please let this be true. Not just, you know, not just something I'm saying, but actually the true cry of my heart. Let it be true that I delight to do your will. Oh my God. Um, we begin, you know, we ask him to soften the hard parts of our hearts that are, you know, resistant to his will and, um, to give us just a, just a, just a soft, tender, obedient heart to him. And, uh, you know, in doing all of this, we're not only, um, it's just also teaching us how to be closer to Jesus and, and closer to the Lord and to cling to him in the process. I think about in Psalm 107, where it says, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. That's what we do. We begin to cry out to him. Um, I, uh, earlier in Psalm 40, now I want to include this passage, um, as well, verses one through three, it says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. And, and so when we see this kind of lack of surrender, this, this where we don't want, you know, the Lord, we don't actually want to hear him fully. If that's where we see ourselves being, uh, then we just come, we just ask him for help. We just continue to seek him. We keep coming to him. We wait for the Lord. We, um, we just keep coming to him over and over and again, believing that he is doing a really good work and just asking him to help us just to truly, um, to truly want his will above our own. And, uh, and obviously don't, uh, don't try to do this alone, include other people in the process. But I, and, and that's, that's moving all that stuff. I just said is kind of moving beyond the actual question of this episode. But the question is just, do you really, do you really want to hear from God? No matter what it is he has to say. And if the answer is no, then that reveals a lack of surrender. And that's just, uh, that's just as simply as I can say it. And I, uh, I think this is a good time for this episode. You know, we are, um, at the, the time of this recording, it's, you know, mid-December 2022. Um, and so this is a great thing to consider as we move into a new year. What do you want to be true for you of 2023? Do you want, um, do you want 2023 to be the, be a year where you can say, you know, I just want to hear from the Lord and obey. I just want to do what he wants. He knows better than I do. And, uh, and so it's just something for us to consider. So I hope this is encouraging. Um, it's, I think, simple, but kind of convicting, uh, very convicting and challenging. And um, so I hope that, uh, I hope that uh, that was, you know, it's been helpful and that things even come to your mind as we have been talking about this. So thanks so much for listening. I just want to talk about the Bible is a 501c3 nonprofit organization, which means that any gifts given 
uh, are tax deductible. So if you feel led to give, instructions on how to do so are going to be at the bottom of the episode description down there in the show notes. So you can check that out there if you feel so led. And thanks so much to all of you who have already given uh, to the nonprofit. It really means a lot. So again, I hope this was encouraging to you. And I just want to wish you all a very Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Until next time, guys, God bless you.